You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Music, and that's why God designed music in heaven as to put people in the presence of Almighty God. I just thought I'd throw that out there, but, but when I say music right and bringing glory and honor to the Savior, boy, it needs to be complimented. Thank you, Brother Brown. Thank you. Music is destroying this country, by the way. I can't get off on another message. I got to get with mine that God's given me. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 18, and I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for Brother Brown. He, he complimented me on, on being faithful, but let me tell you something. God's been faithful to me. This man, I've known him for many years now and stayed straight. Thank God for men and women of faith. Members that choose to stay faithful to this good old book right here. This book's never going to change, friend. People can try to change it and rewrite it and do what they want to, but I don't know about you. Man, I don't want no leftovers. I want the real thing. The old King James Bible. I know what changed me 27 years ago and still working on me today. And thank you, members. Thank you, men, for coming out yesterday. What a fantastic time. That we had. Now I'm just a country boy from Alabama. I, I don't. The only way I'm out here is because he brought me out here. So don't hold it against me. Hold it against him. All right. Not much to me. Just an old boy uh, raised in East Central Alabama. Came across the gospel as a drunkard and a drug addict on his way to state penitentiary. God saved me that day. He didn't just save me. He changed me. Hey, I ain't got over it, folks. It's 27 years. They laughed about it in my hometown because everybody knew who I was and what I was and said, three weeks he'll be away. Oh, he's just trying to turn over a new leaf. Oh, no, God turned my life upside down. He saved me. He saved my wife. And then we had children. He saved all them. They serving God back in Texas right now. They're working in the ministry. Folks, it don't get no better now. That's all standing and reverencing the reading of the word of God this morning. Jeremiah chapter 18 and verse 3. The Bible said, Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he he wrought a work on the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter. And so he made it again, another vessel. As it seemed good to the potter to make it, then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Listen to this, church. Don't miss this. What a powerful God. He said, oh, house of Israel, or church, a Christian, or a body of believers. I can throw so much in that that speaks to us personally. Oh, house of Israel. Look at this next statement. It's in question form. He said, cannot I do with you? The God that created the universe is asking for permission. He don't, ask, he don't have to ask for permission to do anything. He created us. He owns us. He can do anything that he chooses. But look at this grace and mercy. Cannot I do with you? As the potter saith the Lord, behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. God, I stand amazed at the multiplied times that I can't even think or count that I've stood in this place and every time it's the same. I get nervous. I get scared. 
God, I want to say what you want me to say the way you want me to say it. I just want to be an encouragement. I want to be a help. God, I want to preach the truth. I, I want to be that pipe or that pipeline that's carrying that fuel and that energy that comes from heaven to your people. God, I don't ever take it lightly. God, please help me this morning and be what I should be. God, let me decrease and you increase. God, let me be a voice. Please use me. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Jeremiah went down to the potter's house. He saw some things. Number one, he saw the potter. Boy, God's the potter. We know that, and we know that we're the clay. You know, God's never finished working on us. I love that so much. Working on me this morning, I needed something. Needed something before I got here. He gave it to me. He's working on me. He's helping me. Philippians 1, 6, the Bible said, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's a promise, folks. I want to preach this message this morning in this thought. Stay on the wheel. Stay on the wheel. I'm a country boy. I'm a one-topic individual, and and God wants me to drive it home. And if I drive this thing home with the power of Almighty God this morning, and you make a decision this morning to stay on the wheel, then you'll never get off the wheel, and you'll finish with success as Christian life. So many people are falling off the wheel, chopping off the wheel. Folks, your family depends on it. Your life depends on it. Your Christianity depends on it. Multiplied people in this world depend on you. You and I staying on the wheel. You see, God put us on the wheel the day we got saved and he won't take us off to the day we enter the grave. Don't miss that. The sad thing about it, God puts us on there. God's an all-powerful, unlimited God. But we have the power within ourselves to remove ourselves from the wheel. Yeah, Paul wasn't a, a fearful man. I love Paul. Now, Paul's not my favorite character in the Bible because he convicts me too much. Peter and David is my two favorite characters in the Bible because I relate to them so much. Somebody say amen right there. Paul is like Lester Roloff. You can't listen to Lester Roloff without getting tore all to pieces, man. So, so, so when Rob starts getting out of line somewhere, buddy, I'm telling you, I'm on an airplane or I'm in a car, and it's a heavy dose to Lester Roloff. And when I get out, man, I'll be walking like this. No nonsense. Paul was no nonsense. But I do find something that he was fearful about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27, the Bible said, But I keep under, this is Paul speaking, but I keep under my body, And I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. What in the world is a castaway? Now, when I lived back up in northwest Indiana, Chicago land, up there, I lived there for 19 years. I was a missionary to the Yankees. Somebody say amen right there. Now, I lost all my southern accent while I was up there, but you should have heard me while I went up there, amen. I had a garage that was detached from the home. 
And my rule in my house and the way I done my thing, you fellas do the way you want to do, but I do the way I want to do. I said, baby, this is your house right here. And I said, I don't give a rip how you decorate it. You can do whatever you want to do. I don't even care if you stand the couch up vertically and push it up against it. It's a nice concept. You can just lean up against it, amen. You don't even have to sit on it to be comfortable. I don't care what color you paint the walls. I don't care what you do. You can do anything you want to. Hey, it's your house. That garage out there, it's mine. It's mine. My tools, my things, uh, the boats are laying out of places. Don't touch them. I know where my boats are. Stay out of there and don't fool with it. That's my little place, amen. It was castaways all over the wall. Oh, by, by the way, a thought just come into my mind. We moved to Longview. I just throw this in there. We moved to Longview, right? And uh, so we got another house. Well, the sad thing about that, the, the garage is attached so she throws his claws up to me the other day. She said, no, 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 no. No, your garage was detached. So that means you got to get a building out there in the woods somewhere. It's part of the house. You said the house was mine. You don't mess this garage up. This thing's going to be neat and clean. Ain't going to be no junk until I said, are you kidding me? You're throwing that claw. It's a part of the house. So I lost, fellas. <laughs> the moral of this message is have a detached garage. <laughs> but you walk in my garage, there was cross-cut saws on the wall. And my great-granddaddy used to take those cross-cut saws and another fella, and they would log cut those trees apart. You know what? It's not used anymore for that. A castaway is something, an item of something apart that is not used for what it was designed to be. Huge horseshoes hanging on my wall. This, honestly, this big, that fit the weight of a horse of 2,000 to 2,200 pound Belgium that my daddy-in-law logged with third generation. But they're on my wall now. They're castaways. They're no longer. Paul said, hey, I don't want to be a castaway. Listen, folks, we've got to finish right. Rob Hicks has been running all over this country for 25 years now, preaching the same gospel out of the same book, yelling at the top of his voice to multiply ten thousands of teenagers across this land. God have mercy on me. If I go back home and I walk across the street one day and those teenagers are out sowing and, and they say, there's old Rob Hicks walking across the street right there. I remember when he used to yell and scream with the King James Bible preaching to us, but he's not in church anymore. He's not serving God anymore. His life's downhill. Why? Because he's a castaway. Paul said it scares me to death today. And so it ought to scare you and I to death. We should never be satisfied with our walk with God. It should never become stagnant. Oh, yes, it does. The Holy Spirit jabbed me right in the side and said, you better testify and honor. It should not ever be, but it does become that way. I, I don't know why, but it does. But let me tell you something. When it does, it ought to scare us to death. And I say, God, I need a fresh anointing. Don't let me be on this plateau of Christianity. Lord, I need to be climbing the mountain. Lord, I need to be growing. God, do what you need to do on the wheel of life. Number two, he saw the clay. I don't clay that common stuff, just that dirt and dust of the earth. Really ain't any important, nothing to it. We're all clay, every single one of us. What makes it important? I tell you what makes it important is whose hand that it's in. Oh, Rob Hicks, man, I'll tell you, I could clean up and, man, I could get me a real nice baseball uniform on and, boy, I could get me the best bat in the world, the most expensive bat made, and I could get out there. I could stand at home plate. 
get one of them red hot pictures, boy, I'd be looking good too, man. I mean, I got the stance and everything. I'd be looking good. Everybody be looking at me like, what's he going to do? Is he going to knock that thing out? I could point up in the stands like this and everybody would say, oh boy, who is this new guy? And I mean, and, and all of a sudden, shoo, 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 shoo. I'd be the most embarrassed individual this side of the lake of fire if I tried to hit a baseball. But you listen to me. You put that, you resurrect old obey roof and you put that same piece of wood in his hand and you let him go to town out there and son, this pop, 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 pop. What am I trying to say? It's whose hand we're in. And we're in God's hand. He asked us, can he put us on the wheel? Can he do what he wants to do with us individually, folks? God to take anybody that's a nobody and turn them into a somebody. I don't care who you are. Sure, I don't care how far you went this morning. I don't care how low that you are. I don't care if you've lost everything that you've ever had. You are in the right place. Introduce to the right God because he'll pick you up out of the mining pit and set you on a solid rock. But you have to let him, sir. You have to let him, ma'am. Your marriage could be resurrected this morning. I don't care what shape it's in. My wife and myself, marriage canceling every week of all life. We had a case here a while, just a few months ago, when they come in, I was like, God, help us. Man, I was like, I don't even know if God can help this situation. It's so messed up. And I'm joking, God can do anything. But I didn't have a lot of confidence in the baggage it was in. It's, folks, I'm talking about messed up. Me and my wife had a broken heart for this bunch of kids. They just ripped our hearts out. I'm just simple-minded. I can't do all this fancy stuff. All I can do is give you the Bible. And all I can do is tell you what God's done in our marriage. Our marriage was horrible. Now... Less than a month, we're going to celebrate 30 years. I'm the happiest man you ever seen in your life. I left that couple last week. All the smiles and the joy of their kids are happy and they're working in the ministry. Let me tell you something. I don't care where your marriage is this morning. If you two will simply stay on the wheel and let God do what he wants to do with you. You can have what you desire. By the way, there's too much lapse time in becoming from a nobody to a somebody. Broke my heart the other day. I was preaching a meeting. A 60-something-year-old man come in. Testimonies broke out, and that man testified. And he said, oh, I'm so glad I got back, and I'm glad I got back right. And, man, I got saved when I was in my 20s. I fell out of the will of God. When I fell out of will, God, my, my life was turned upside down. I lived 20 years in the pits of hell. I'm so glad. Whoa. I'm so glad. Boy, that's pretty neat, ain't it? 20 years on the backside of nowhere wasting his life. And man, I am so thankful for anybody. Don't you misunderstand what I'm saying? Don't you misunderstand what I'm saying? But 20 years, now where's his kid? Where's his boy? Where's his girl? Where's his dog? Where are they in there out there in that world? Yes, he come back. But I'm saying, bless God, what about the people who come in and will get saved and let God have their life? Paul was coming across on the way to Damascus to kill some Christians. The bright light shone about him. He said, who out there, Lord, it was Jesus Christ, the one that I persecuted. And he got saved by the grace of God. And Paul was struck blind by the power of Almighty God. And it turned his life upside down. 
Why don't we let the power of God turn our lives upside down nowadays? The same power that turned Paul's life upside down can turn our life upside down. The sad thing about it, most people won't allow it. They get on that wheel and they don't touch me, God. Don't touch that, that's mine. No, I don't want that food with God. No, 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 I want what you have. I want the golden streets and I want the pearly gates and I want the beautiful thing of heaven. But you can't, can't do that to me, God. You see, if the clay is ever going to be worth anything, it has to be separated from the common thing. The earth is placed on that wheel. We have to make a decision to quit being average. I hate the word average. It means you can get in your little clique and you can get around your little friends and your little friends have the same temperature, so to speak, spiritually, and you feel fine about yourself, which is one of the most dangerous places that you can put yourself in Christianity. Forget average and forget about anybody else around you. This is between you and God, and we ought to be going and growing. We ought to be allowing God to stir up our nest any time that he wants to stir it up. I'll never forget when I was 19 years old, of all places I went to Budweiser. I'm so sorry to tell you this, but it's the truth. I, I am just transparent whether it's right or wrong. I am, I am or I wouldn't say. But I went to Budweiser, the, the biggest place there to, to start working at, you know, in our area. And I sat across this guy. This guy had a desk. His name was Neil Richardson, man. Very, 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 very wealthy. And he was a head guy of that place. I was sitting across from him. That office looked like it was as big as this auditorium right here. That desk looked like a four by eight sheet of plywood. And, and I just poured out my heart to him how bad they needed me at that company as a 19-year-old guy to help them run it successfully. <laughs> and he pushed that chair back and he said, Rob Hicks, I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't know where in the world you're going to go in life, sir, but if you keep that same ambition that you have, I promise you, you will arrive, sir. I'm going to tell you something. I couldn't wait to get back home and look that word up, ambition, in a dictionary. Amen. I'm not going to be average. I don't care what I got to do. I don't care how hard I got to work. I'm not going to be an average husband. I'm not going to be an average father. I'm not going to be an average child of God. I'm going to do what I can to serve him the best of my ability. Never be satisfied, but always be content. Totally different. Being content is in the state that God has placed you and I in. We don't have any control of that. But being average in our fervency in our Christianity, we have 100% control of that. You see, when a person surrenders to the potter, the potter does not start on the vessel. He begins in the clay. You ever paid with real clay? My daddy built a fish pond over the side of our house in the country in 1975. Now I remember we couldn't wait that thing filled up with water. We started to swim. We didn't have nowhere to swim down the place. And boy, we'd jump in that thing and swim. And there's one place on one side of that that was 100% clay. We'd dive down and get big old hunks of that clay and we'd come back up and there's a big rock that said, I was just walking that land the other day. And that rock is still right there. And all these thoughts was coming to my mind. And I remember coming up out of that water with that big old water clay and I remember smacking it on that rock and I'd smack it and I was trying to make things, make little dogs and, 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 and figurines and stuff. And why was I smacking it? Because it had objects in it. It had roots and Jagged pieces of rock and 
Stuff it shouldn't have been in the clay for me to be able to mold that clay like I wanted it to be molded. I wasn't being mean to the clay. I just wanted the clay to turn out to be something very nice. People get hurt and leave church. God, you're messing up my life. You're marring my life. No, 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 no. No, God's working in your life. And if we allow Him, He's pulling out those roots and those jagged pieces of rock and the things that keeps Him from taking and molding that wonderful clay on the wheel of life. Remember, He who had begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If you're saved this morning, you might be going through a tough time. Very possible that somebody under the sound of my voice has lost somebody that you love very, very much. He who begun a good work on you will complete that work. God is going to use you. Some people might have hurt you and done damage in your life. I'd be the first to testify. But God says in Genesis 50 and verse 20, Joseph, but as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring it to pass as if that this day to save much people alive. Hey, don't mistake the will of God in our lives. Sometimes we have to sacrifice. Sometimes we have to have some pain. Sometimes it's physically. Sometimes it's mentally. Sometimes it's emotionally on the will of Almighty God. And God, oh, you're being mean to me. No, 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 no. Oh, we thought you meant it for bad, but you meant it for good. Romans 8, 28 is still true today, folks. Things are not going the way that you think that it should. God has begun a good work in you. I have a 26-year-old autistic son. He's the glue that keeps our family stuck together. I can't live a day without him. But just about a month ago, he started suffering with vertigo and, and, and equilibrium. And it's so sad because he can't communicate with me as a father and a mother. Yes, it hurts, but I'm going to tell you something. I know that God's doing something because God has used his life over 26 years for the good and glory to God. We don't understand those things and we have to trust him 100%. You don't have the family that you wish you had. God would do a work in you. When the potter makes the outside of the vessel pretty, it's very easy to form. But the inside of the vessel is very, very difficult. Like I say, I've been preaching a 25 years, and if anybody knows me, they know I preach on every outward sin that you can imagine. Preaching on all that smoking and drinking and lying, cheating, stealing and cussing, the way we dress and present ourselves as Christians, and I can go on and on and on. But the most important thing is what's inside. That's where our heart really is. The jealousy, the envy, the strife, the bitterness, the rebellion. You know that God characterizes rebellion equal to the sin of witchcraft? You know the sin of witchcraft there in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23? That sin of witchcraft I can't even talk to about very much in detail in a mixed gender congregation because it is the most intimate relationship with Satan that you can possibly have. So adults, think about that a little bit. Rebellion is equal to that. 
What's rebellion? It's rebellion against this wonderful book right here. When we think we don't need that, we don't want that, but God says you do need that. I do need that. Everything that the potter did for that clay was for the good of that clay. You see, when you fix the inside, the outside will take care of itself. We had that conversation yesterday, didn't we, Brother Brown? It's amazing in people that when the heart truly gets in tune with God, it seems to fix everything on the outside. We might not understand why we're going what we're going through, why we're going through it. I'll never forget many years ago, my kids always nicknamed me Mr. Fix-It. Son, if I can't fix it, it ain't broken. I'll go ahead and tell you, I can fix anything. And I remember so much happened in our life and our family with sickness and cancer and autism. And I remember canceling with a man of God. And I remember the tears falling out of my eyes and hitting the floor and saying, Look, brother, I've surrendered everything. I've surrendered everything and I've come and I'm serving everything. He's falling apart with all of this adversity and the sickness and affliction to life and physically. And he said, that's your problem, brother Rob, is pride. And I'm like, man, I was hurting to my bone. And I mean, you got the audacity to call me prideful in here. And I just want to serve God. He said, no, it's pride. That's your problem. All your life you've been confident about fixing everything, that you could put everything back together where God has placed you in a position of your life, Brother Rob, that only He can fix it. You must depend on Him 100%. It's not about you. It's not about what you can do. And I fell in the floor with Holy Ghost conviction and at that point I decided to trust God completely and to turn everything over to Him. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. But it's the only way that you'll know will truly make it. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I want my boys to see me when they put me in that casket and say, my dad made a failure in a lot of areas, but there's one thing I know. He loved and he walked with his God. That's what I want to be remembered for. Stay on the wheel. That clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Look at verse 4. Don't you miss this. I'm about done. The clay was marred in the hand of the potter, not by the hand of the potter. Why is that so important? Because when I was going through so much and my wife was going through so much and we had so much sickness and adversity in our life, God had his hand around us in that wheel. You see, there's a difference of being marred in the hand and by the hand. Why is that so important? It's because he knew it's through so much adversity but we begin to wobble. You see, if you get out of balance and you get over close to a wheel, if you don't believe me, don't have your tires balanced on your vehicle and you try to ride around. It'll jump like it's right here. Why? Because it's out of balance. And if you start getting over on the edge of that wheel, your life gets totally out of balance. And before long, it's all going to come all to pieces. And God said, no, no, this couple loves me and I love this couple. If I can just get them to stay. So he had his hands around us as the wheels was going and he wouldn't let us get over on the edge of the side 
cloud and get out of balance. And he chose to mar us in his hands. It's when you get off the wheel as a Christian. The prodigal son wound up in the hog pen marred by the hand of God. If you're saved, you can't get away from God. You might run and hide if you want to, but I promise you through the scriptures, sooner or later, it comes to the point of the end of that grace and he loves you so much he'll mar you by his hands. But it don't have to be that way. I'd whole lot rather be marred in his hands of love and giving us what we need and to bring glory and honor to him than it to be a hand of chastisement by the hand of the potter. He's so patient with us, we need to learn to be patient with others. Let's evaluate ourselves for a little bit this morning before I'm done. How long did it take you to get things right, sir? How long did it take you to get things right, ma'am? How long did it take you to get your soul winning down and, uh, and your tongue trained and your attitude and your prayer life and your Bible reading and your music and your entertainment? And I could go on and on and why in the world can't we have a little bit of patience for the new people that are coming in and love them and not turn around and just try to make them what we want them overnight? It's called true. Love and Christianity. People and individuals that take independent fundamental and they murder us across this internet. And I say it's anti-Christianity because 15 or 25 people have made us look like a bunch of idiots with axe handles beating people into doing right. That's not Bible and it never has been Bible. And we ought to be the most loving Christians on the face of the earth. Sure, we stand for what's right. I'm as rigid as you can be when it comes to convictions and separation and dedication, but I'm also patient. I don't ever raise my voice to any Christian anywhere outside of this platform or pulpit. Anybody that's made mistakes or messed up their life, I love them and help them and put my arms around them and try to encourage them get back on the wheel. Tell you this one story, I'm done. I was traveling back to my hometown here a while back. I come down by the little old creek, Weaki Creek, there in Rock Mills, and my cousin had bought this little store down there. I'd been there forever. I used to go in that store when I was three or four years old, every day it seems like. He bought it and turned it into a potter's house. My mom and grandmama was telling me about it, and I said, I gotta go down, I've never been in a real potter's house. I we went down there and I said, hey, Frankie D, how's it going, man? Take me through this system. Let me see what's going on here. He took me over there to this wheel. And he said, here's the potter's wheel. Man, I take this clay out and I slap it on that potter's wheel and I go to town. I go to work. And I just put my fingers in it and I just work with it and I just work with it until I get it just like I want it. And then I take it over to his keels. And I think he said 1,800 degrees. I'm not completely sure about that, so I don't want to lie, but I think he said that. It was hot, whatever it was. <laughs> and he puts it in there, and he cooks it. Turns the heat up. Brings it out, and he paints it and finishes it. Man, I was walking down those aisles, and unbelievable how beautiful this pottery was. And I... And I 
I noticed something that was strange. I said, Frank, you didn't come here. I said, I'm on, I'm on this aisle. And I said, this pottery looks just like this pottery. This pottery is very, very expensive. This pottery don't look any different to me at all. And you're almost giving it away. He said, well, he said, Brother Rob, he said, no matter where I get this clay or no matter where it comes from, get it out and I put it on this wheel. And I start working with it, and, and, and some of it, I work with it until I work to where I, I, the investment, I can't keep on because I can't keep the business going. I can't get out of it what I need to get out of it, and it just won't do like it's supposed to do. And I know there's a problem, but I put it in there anyway. I put it in the kills anyway. And all of a sudden, sometimes I might hear a little ding. And I get it out and inspect it before I paint it. And I see it. it. Cracks. I go ahead and paint it, but I'll be an honest person. I'm not going to sell that. I think you know where I'm going. Early in the message, it become a castaway. You see, that vessel cannot be used to what it was designed to be used for. Because if you put some water or you put something in it, it's going to make its way out. Yeah. The other vessels turned out exactly like the potter. My heart just broke. I said, God, I, in life, I just want to stay on the wheel and let you do it in my life like you want. No matter how hard it is, sometimes I want to stay there. I don't want to be a castaway. I don't want to be setting up on somebody's shelf. Oh, that's pretty. What do you do with it? I can't do nothing with it because it's a castaway. I want a good marriage. I want to be a good daddy. I, I want my kids to be respectful to the word of God because I'm respectful and love the word of God. Am I telling you the truth this morning? I need to be this. Decisions made this morning. There's no doubt in my mind. What made that vessel mar? There's a lump in it, foreign object, some unyielded area. You think there might be possibly an unyielded area? Listen to me, I love you. I don't even know you and I love you because I spend my life doing this. But I promise you, you're no different from nobody else, sir. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how much the word of God you know. Ma'am, I don't care if you're the spiritual giant in your house. Teenager, I don't care if you think you got this thing down. I promise you, if you don't allow God to get that lump out, when you go through the furnace of affliction, you're going to crack. When you crack, you're going to go out those doors. It's going to break the heart of this pastor and this pastor's wife and they're going to weep on you and they're going to come to your house and you're going to sit there and you're, you're going to say, I just don't see it that way anymore, pastor. I just don't see it that way anymore. No, it's not that you don't see it that way. It's because you don't feel it that way. It's because you removed God's hand and you got off the wheel yourself. Boy, let's make a final decision this morning in this revival. One decision, and that decision is simply, I'm just going to stay on the wheel.
That's it. I'm just going to stay on the wheel. You don't have to make any other decision. You don't have to say, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to. No, 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 no. One this morning, I'm going to stay on the wheel. I might be marred in the hand of the potter, but I'm not going to be marred by the hand of the potter. Ma'am, could you come to the instrument? I'm done. God shut me down right now. I believe with all my heart it's time to make some very vital, vital decisions in our Christianity. Just draw a circle around ourselves. Right now, forget about everybody else. Forget about mom and dad. Forget about our brothers and sisters. Forget about everything that's going on in this world. Forget about all our problems. Forget about everything. And just commit to God and saying, I don't know what's in my future, God, but you're in control of everything. My destiny is yours. The vessel that you want me to be, you control, God. Let's stand and let's come to an old-fashioned altar and say, God, I'm going to just tell you I'm staying on the wheel. Could we do that this morning? Could we rally around this piece of furniture that is the least visited piece of furniture on the face of this earth? And it's God's altar. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart, please don't be attentive to the devil this morning. Married couple, grab a hand and come to the altar. Teenagers, come to the altar. Make a decision for the glory of Almighty God. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc4me.org. May God bless you.